Hour number two, kicking off here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. Sam, keep us up to date on what we might have missed last night. Yeah, some big news in sports last night. First, a big one in the NBA. Uh, Milwaukee Bucks head coach Adrian Griffin fired yesterday. Canned. Canned. Second in the second in the East. What are they doing? Yeah, but I gotta say, it's a it's a pretty good indication to me how closely you keep up with the NBA by how you reacted to the news. Yeah, yeah. Because like <laughs> some people are like, guy. oh my god, how did they fire him? Look at the offensive numbers because. It's been festering for a while. Like, they've been a mess from the get-go. Like, their defense was about as bad as you could play for most of the first, like, month and a half of the season. It's gotten a little bit better, but, like, Giannis drawing plays on pieces of paper on the bench. Yeah. One game, like, in late November, like, got checked out and, like, literally just didn't go to the bench, just stood at the scores table and just, like, went back in at the next dead ball. It it was clear that, like, he had – that – Griffin did not win over the superstars in the locker room. And if you don't have Giannis when you're in Milwaukee, you're not going to keep that job. And, like, Dame wasn't fitting in there either. Some of the stuff of Dame, you know, he, he got off to a slow start. And to me, it was just as simple as, like, hey, you know, we, we see it here, by the way, in Knoxville. Like, with we, we talk about how good the uh, the pick and roll and the pick and pop with, with Dalton and uh, Jonas or Zakai and Jonas is. Well, they had Dame Willard and, and Giannis, and they were still only running like a pick and roll with those two like one or two times a game. And it's like maybe run more of that. Maybe maybe coach a little bit better instead of just trying to hope that your superstars bail you out. And they fired him 30-13, and 13, but not a surprise. And to me, the surprise, the head scratcher, is that they're going to maybe hire Doc Rivers. That's Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. That feels like a, a strange hire in terms of a replacement. How many times do we need to see Doc Rivers fail? Yeah, I, I was surprised to see that. I thought he was done. Um, you, the other one that stood out was at the, uh, I think it was the end of the in-season tournament where apparently Bobby Portis, like, bowed up against yeah. Griffin in the locker room yeah. and, uh, you know, was ready to get, you know, throw down. And it was about questions about defense and defensive intensity and all this other – it just – clearly was uh was not working in terms of the culture yeah the culture and he had made some defensive changes because i mean they've been a good defense now obviously you you take away drew holiday one of the best defenders in the nba yeah Yeah. and you bring dame lillard in one of the worst defenders in the (laughs) nba if not the worst and of course you're going to take a a hit defensively but with Giannis and brooke lopez protecting the rim it should be better than it was but yeah there, there are plenty of stories coming out and strangely enough, like there were stories about how Doc Rivers was trying to mentor him and give him advice during the during the season, and now looks like Doc Rivers is going to snake him a bit and get that job, which every other team in the East has to be celebrating. Like we saw what Doc Rivers did in Philadelphia, right? Like we saw what he did in the Clippers, right? Like we saw we we see that he can't get to the conference finals, right? Like I, I'm not making that up. Like we we all are aware of this, so. He, the one thing I will say that Doc has done at every stop is it does seem like superstars like him. You know, Tracy McGrady, going back to the Magic days, and the Clippers and the Celtics, like the, the stars and, and the being able to handle that has always been his strength, the, the people side of it. But he's not going to beat Boston. Philadelphia has to be like, thank God. We, we know what we're going to be up against if we play them in the second round, and maybe Embiid can finally get to the conference finals. But, yeah, 
Yeah. The head scratcher wasn't Griffin getting fired. Is that they are immediately going to hire Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, more NBA news as well. Uh, the Miami Heat acquired Terry Rozier from the Hornets last night for Kyle Lowry and a protected 2027 first-round pick. Uh, Rozier has been averaging 23 points a game, just about over six and a half assists. It's, you know, having kind of a career year for him and gets out of Charlotte, their disaster season that they continue to have, 10 and 31. Well, see, that's the thing for me, Sam, is, yeah, he's having a career year. Yeah, the scoring, the efficiency has been really good. The only thing he's been struggling at is catch and shoot threes, which might be what he's shooting the most of in, in Miami, but usually for his career, he's been pretty good at that. But what I would say is it's okay. It's it's not hard to put up numbers on bad teams. <laughs> Can Terry Rozier now go to a place that expects to make the finals? I mean, the that's what the Heat are striving for is to make the finals and win the finals. Can he go there and now play, like, actual very important, stressful basketball and get less touches and get less shots but still impact winning? I don't know if I think he can because he, he he didn't really want to fit in in Boston, you know, early in his career. You know, they, they bring in Kyrie and he's like, ah, you know, uh, I, I, I'm getting less shots and I'm coming off the bench. I don't really like this. Can I – can I go somewhere different? And then he gets to Charlotte and gets the ball more and he's happy, but they're losing. Now he's going back to a situation where he's going to have to get the ball less, but you're going to try to win. So I always worry about players like that. Doesn't sound like that overlaps with heat culture. But I will say Kyle Lowry sucks. <laughs> There's a stat that Kyle Lowry hasn't had more than three field goals in a game in like two months or something crazy like that. So he wasn't giving them anything. He's out of gas. Um and Charlotte is definitely, they're just doing a massive overhaul. There's talk that Miles Bridges is about to go to Phoenix, and they're just, they're cleaning house. They're building for the future. It sounds like the one, the players they're committed to are Brandon Miller, um, LaMelo Ball, obviously, and um, and Mike Williams, the okay. big guy from Duke, and that's it. Everybody else is, is fair game right now. Yeah, one of the bigger trade pieces – for the next month or for the next couple weeks as the trade deadline's approaching uh, is probably going to be P.J. Washington. He's on a affordable rookie deal, and he's one of those stretch fours that can that can be versatile and do things. It was a month for Kyle Lowry. He, has, he, he hasn't had more than three field goals in a game since Christmas Day. So, like, he, he had been really kind of falling off a cliff. He shot 29% in the month of January, 16% from three. He hasn't hit a three in his last five games. So, yeah, like, uh, Rozier's better than Kyle Lowry at this point. I just don't know if Rozier is is enough to to make Miami a, a legitimate threat again. But, yeah, the Charlotte, I mean, keep an eye on that that trade market. I mean, if Bridges goes somewhere, that's uh comes with baggage, of course, from his off-the-court stuff, right. but he, he can still play. Gordon Hayward, I don't know if anybody trades for him when he gets back from injury, but he's uh, – a candidate to get bought out. I think him and Kyle Lowry maybe just end up getting bought out from Charlotte, and you know they'll they'll be one of those guys that get picked up by contenders that hopefully go there and get into the rotation. You know, I could see like the Lakers being like, "Yes, Gordon Hayward, give us him. We'll we'll, we'll take him." But yeah, all right, Sam. Next, yeah, uh, Will Rogers. He has told Washington that he is staying. He is withdrawing from the transfer portal. Uh, will remain at Washington and play the 2024 season for their new head coach, Jed Fish. 
obviously uh, the Mississippi State transfer uh, had you know four pretty pretty solid years over there at Mississippi State. Obviously, first couple years in that Mike Leach offense, uh, you know, passing it all around the field and in that air raid offense, uh, he committed to Washington. Obviously, with Kalen DeBoer still the coach there, looking to be kind of the next quarterback after Michael Penix. DeBoer goes to to Alabama. He enters the transfer portal. Uh, Jed Fish gets hired at Washington. He thinks it over for a couple weeks and eventually decides to stay back at Washington. Says that. Uh, the NFL experience that Jed Fish had was a, a big factor in it and that his his ability to be an offensive play caller and his his time in the NFL makes him confident that, that Washington's the right place for him to stay. So he's not going to – he, uh, Jed Fish, is not going to bring the Noah Fafita with him. Correct. Fafita's that, staying at Arizona. They're, yeah, they're Fafita staying. and McMillan are staying at Arizona. Yeah, both those oh, guys yeah, are yeah, staying. Yeah. I've I mean, heard a big uh, Arizona NIL donor kind of ponied up some money okay. for those Okay, well, two. that's good for them. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see if Arizona could stay competitive, but, like, losing that quarterback would have been tough. I, mm-hmm. I kind of thought he was going to follow him to Washington. Yeah, I, I kind of expected that, too. I expected both of them, too, honestly. Okay, well, good for them for staying and. I hope they did get a good NIL check because those guys deserved it. I, I think I think in those situations, even the most uh, anti-NIL person has to say, well, at least it's going to someone who has earned it. If, if you hate NIL for recruits and transfers and basically pay for play, I don't necessarily disagree. But like once somebody has actually proven their worth on the field, like those guys have, I, I think uh, I think everyone should be okay with them getting a nice nice little chunk of change. Anything else, Sam? Um, couple MLB deals. No, nope, don't want it. Yeah, Reese Hoskins, two year, thirty four million nope, with the Brewers. No, I just I didn't want Boring. it. The Brewers? No, I <laughs> couldn't care less about anything that happens with the Brewers. Not a whole lot from last night. I did see that the NBA came out and apologized. This is maybe the worst I've ever seen. Maybe it goes back to taunting like the sports gods and and respecting the game, like their coach was complaining about. But I've never seen the NBA or professional league admit, have to admit, they missed 10 calls in the final two minutes. What was that? And in, in, the, in the Wolves Hornets game, as the, as the Wolves, you know, blew that lead and, you know, Carl Anthony Towns blew his 60 point game and they lost to the Hornets. 10 missed calls from the league they admit in the last two minutes. 10. In two minutes, Bob. Yeah, there's uh, there's also some I think brushback too um, from from a game last night too, um, Portland and Oklahoma City. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Portland happened to file a protest because I, they're not going to win this protest, but it was a one. They were up one point late in the game, and Chauncey Billups, coach of the Blazers, is trying to call timeout as his players getting double teamed. The player ends up double dribbling, and Chauncey Billups loses his mind and with a one-point lead you know with only seconds left in the game gets a double technical and gets ejected (laughs) so Oklahoma City got to go shoot two free throws down one they only hit one of them to tie the game but then Oklahoma City thanks to the turnover then hits the game winner and wins the game so yeah Portland has filed a protest and just like hey I called timeout they didn't acknowledge it which I, I, I don't think the NBA will even respect that at all no it's portland and, and portland has to pay ten thousand dollars to protest so that's a ten thousand dollar check that they're going to write the league they're not going to get back yeah yeah I, and again you got I, I, uh, there's a little bit of 
conspiracy theorist in me anyway, even if it's real and it was a legitimate protest. It's Oklahoma City, one of the rising teams versus Portland, which is struggling. So, Oh, so you're saying they were following the script. You're saying the league was fixed. Yeah, you never know. Interesting. I definitely think, well, I definitely think there's there's teams that are favorites, and I think Oklahoma City's probably climbing because they're such a good team now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it was the Lakers, I would be like, okay, yeah. The the Kings-Lakers series from, like, 2002 that everyone says was fixed or 2003, whenever it was, like, yeah, that one makes sense. They didn't want to see the Kings in the finals. Um, a, a January game that's benefiting the Oklahoma City Thunder, I got a little bit harder time to wrap my head around, Bob. A little bit harder to wrap my head around that they're cheating for Oklahoma City. Well, you never know. I just think Chauncey Billups, uh, if I'm the NBA, I'm like, okay, I'm not giving you the protest because, hey, maybe don't lose your mind in a, clo- a one-point game. You're supposed to be a professional. Maybe, maybe don't get a double technical and get ejected. That's your problem. Yeah, I think that that's just a – you know that's a that's a byproduct of a team that's twelve and thirty one. You know it's just he's he's probably he's probably hitting his limit in terms of frustration. We talked about coaches in the NFL and you know the former players and, and getting a chance and how I think it's got a pretty good track record. Can't really say the same in the NBA. I feel like the players that get a chance to coach has any of, have any of them worked out? I mean Steve Kerr. Well, yeah. Well, I was gonna say. Steve Kerr was Steve Kerr at least had done other things. He went to their front office in Phoenix True. and he did he did uh, you know broadcasting. broadcasting. Yeah, yeah. So I don't consider him that because yeah, I mean Doc Rivers, former player, I mean, yeah, like he's had success. Phil Jackson, of course, was an NBA player. No, I mean like the guys that basically come from the sideline. Like, I mean yeah, Jason not- Kidd, Steve Nash, Chauncey Billups. Like I don't think those have really bore any fruit just yet. Kid's doing better than I thought, but he's still not. It's not like they're dominating. But you're right. By and large, these these guys make the transition. It doesn't really work. Isaiah Thomas was another one. Yeah. Also, uh, keep in mind this is Jason Kidd's third team, so he fell twice before. Well, that's true. Before kind of figuring it out in Dallas, he he was an embarrassment in Milwaukee and an embarrassment in in, in Brooklyn. So like it, it did take the third time. But I'm talking about the guys. Yeah, kind of just getting their first crack. Like Steve Nash was a failure. Yes. Chauncey's a fellow failure, and I thought Kid was a failure his first two times. All right, we'll talk some TV viewership numbers, some college football statistics in terms of most watched games and most watched teams over the last handful of years, as well as getting into this Netflix WWE deal. Stick with us; it's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. Good morning, T. Dot. Was still back there on the backside of Sharps Ridge on 640, going westbound, working with a couple of stalled vehicles between Broadway and the 75-275 split. Traffic's picked up even more 40 east up the hill here at White Road, coming off that split out of Loudoun County. Still moving right now down I-75 southbound, coming in from Campbell County down to Anderson County. A 24/7 reliable crane and rigging services right here in East Tennessee. It's Tomahawk Crane and Rigging online at TomahawkCrane.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on time traffic. Attention service members and veterans. Introducing the Griffin Law Firm, your trusted ally in military legal matters. Whether it's fighting for your rights, navigating complex... This segment is brought to you by Inward Half, creators of the most comfortable hoodie I own. 
Inward half is elevated and transformed performance-driven apparel into fashion-forward statement pieces for the entire family. Go to inwardhalf.com to check out their selection. And again, I'll remind you, you can go to the Volunteer Club website and buy the Everything Polo that was designed and created by Inward Half and, you know, support A, most importantly, as far as I'm concerned, people that support the station. You love fan-run radio, support our sponsors. But B, you know, that's some of that money will go to supporting your favorite athletes at the University of Tennessee. So go to thevolunteerclub.com and look for the Everything Polo and buy one. And again, go to inwardhalf.com or look for them in your favorite pro shop to check out some of their merchandise. Sam, you're a golfer, right? I am. I need to get golfer. you some of these shirts yeah. uh, to, to get you to wear them and get you out there. Absolutely. And some for sure. Saw a stat, Bob, as we start kind of shifting gears to looking at, like, you know, the business side of sports. I saw a stat that had the most watched teams in college football. And basically the breakdown of, like, who drives college football viewership. 50% of total viewers come from only 18 schools, which is 13% of, you know, college football 18 schools are the drivers so when you look at like you know who matters and you know i'm fascinated with about the future of sports you know when we kind of combine this later with the amazon getting into sports and netflix getting into sports and the future of like where we're headed and and then we've had this conversation about college athletics for the last handful of years about the uh, eventual breakup from the ncaa and these leagues that are just going to kind of exist with the powerful schools I think now we kind of have an idea of who some of the most powerful schools are. You want to take a guess? You guys want to take a guess on the uh, the 18 schools? A little penalty kick shootout? It's a little rotation? See if you guys can, can get uh, the schools on the list? Let's do it. You want to go first or second, Bob? I'll go second. You want to go second? Okay, strategy. Yes. Give me one second to send the tweet out from 18 schools. Okay, now tweet's out. All right, Sam, that means you're up first. We got 18 schools driving this list go ahead name them alabama yeah alabama uh gets credit for being first on the list as the i'm gonna take that as the most watched team alabama the most watched team don't say purdue purdue's on the list no 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 (laughs) notre dame notre dame comes in what looks like sixth on the list texas texas is on there it looks like they're gonna be like an 11th on the list or 10th but they're on there three schools that matter of course alabama notre dame and and texas ohio state number two ohio state michigan number four michigan that's interesting so number three tennessee's got to be on there tennessee is on the list they are not number three they come in i believe at number 16th but, again, keep in mind this is from 1999 to 2024, so that includes mm. some pretty dire years sure. in, in, in 20 especially, and you know 21 that wasn't necessarily great. But, yeah, Tennessee comes in at number 16. They matter. Georgia? Number three, Georgia. That's number three. That yeah. surprises me. Honestly. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia. I mean, okay. you keep in mind the, the, the level of games they play and when they lose it yeah. matters. I mean, yeah, of course yeah, – yeah. Michigan, those are the four premier programs. 
any of the West Coast teams in there? USC. I, I can't tell you this, Bob. It's a it's a contest. It's a competition. <laughs> well, I'm just okay. Let's say USC. USC comes in at number seventeen. It's a little surprising because on one hand you think of them as a much better program, but on the other hand they're on the West Coast and they haven't played a lot of big Pac-12 games over the last handful of years. But maybe they're propped up from their Notre Dame games. Uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma comes in at number seven. All right, so now Bob, you are in do or die territory. If you miss, you lose. Um, I'm gonna say West Coast. I'm gonna say Oregon. Just made the cutoff at number eighteen. Ooh, Oregon was gonna be my my pick there. Just made the cutoff. Um, let's see. I feel like there's probably an obvious one that I'm missing out on. You guys have gotten one through four. You've gotten six, and I think you've gotten uh, number ten. And then the back end over here with with Tennessee, South Carolina, uh, Southern California, and Oregon. South Carolina's on the list. That was not a Freudian slip. That was just me. Is it? It's just. Is it like uh, colleges specifically, or just like towns? No colleges. Okay, yeah. So this, these are the programs yeah, that yeah, matter. Yeah. These are the programs that are driving Florida? football viewership. Is Florida on there? Florida's on there. Yeah. yeah, they come in at number twelve. Okay. LSU. LSU's in there. LSU. They come in at number uh, eight, I believe. That was a quick one. He went right back at you. Is Miami on there? Miami is not on there. Miami does not get matter. A bit later, Miami. Bob, if you get this right, you win our first edition of Penalty Kick Shootouts on the morning show. Uh, oh my God, such uh, such tension. Um, Take your time. Actually, I need an answer in five seconds. <laughs> North Carolina. No, no, that was that was worse. Oh. Than the, uh, that was worse than Sam's guess in Miami. Sam, you guys tapped out? Are you done? Are you over it? I might be tapped out. All right, well, he passes for the win, Bob. I'll give you another chance. Duke. No, 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 not Duke. I'm surprised that you guys went Texas but didn't mention Oklahoma. I mentioned Oklahoma. Yeah, you did. He did. Oh, yeah, you got, yeah, Oklahoma. I got Oklahoma. Okay, sorry. Uh, LSU. Penn State, Penn State, I should Texas, and then Auburn. Auburn's played some mm. games. Probably propped up by, you know, playing LSU and playing uh, Auburn. Surprise, playing Alabama, Florida. We mentioned them. Wisconsin, hmm. Washington, Florida State. That, that's your top fifteen. Tennessee, South Carolina, Oregon. I was between Florida State and Miami. What year does this go back to? Nin- uh, Two thousand nineteen. So the last five oh, years, basically, nineteen of viewership. So, yeah, like, all this viewership, 50% of what people watch in college football come from those 18 teams. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Like, those are the eight. Like, you could pretty much, you know, bundle that up and say, maybe there's a couple of exceptions. You know, maybe Miami, you could throw them in there and say they matter. Maybe. But, like, those are the 18 programs that, that matter. I'd say on almost any given year, you pull up recruiting rankings, it's going to be those 18 teams too, right? Like that's going to be kind of your top 18? Yeah. The only Again, Auburn surprises me a little. That's the only one that really surprises me. Um, Florida State has carried that kind of brand name forever, and they carry it well, so that one didn't surprise me. Penn State, Wisconsin, those make sense. Washington makes sense. I don't know why. I just And you're right, Auburn's probably just benefiting from playing all these other teams. Yeah, Auburn benefits from that, but also, I mean, Auburn Auburn still has made, what, two national championships in, in yep. the last, what, 12 years of college football, or going back to, was it 09 they made it, or 2010, I 2010, guess? 2010, yeah. 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 So, I mean, they, they've made a couple national championships. 
Is it? See, I was approaching it for all sports. It wasn't just football. No, it's football, yeah. Oh, uh, okay. Well, then, then I okay. Okay. It's rigged. I wouldn't have said Duke then. I was wondering why you said Duke in North Carolina. Because I was uh, thinking, well, I was thinking basketball. Fair, well, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Now that I know what you were thinking, it makes sense. But when you said I was like, Duke in North Carolina. Yeah. No, no. Huge no. football market. Worse than Miami. <laughs> they could barely get 6,000 people in their stands in Miami. Yeah. Well, Gonzaga. What if I'd said Gonzaga? <laughs> yeah. I would, have, I would have had to be like, hold on, Bob. I had to be like the teacher sending you back. Read the directions yeah. again slowly. We're looking for yeah. the 18 most watched football programs. Yes. Yes. Which Gonzaga was uh, number one on that list of what we talked about yesterday with the highest like average ranking in the polls. They've been the uh, the highest ranked team in the last you know however many years of data we looked at. They've they've had the best average ranking. Would there be any eight, uh, Would there be any programs on here that you feel like would belong in the Power Conference, the Super Conference? That it could be a bad omission without it. Because like if you told me this team just got to get this these these eighteen programs just got together and had their own conference and kept all the money, it would make sense. Maybe not that they've had like success in this time period, but I'm kind of surprised that like Texas A&M isn't in there. Maybe. Okay. Yeah. Viewership wise. Yeah. I, mean, I feel like they've got a big enough following and everything like that. They'd probably get a seat at the table because like if you did this super conference that they've talked about for so long, it'd probably be 24 teams, so we'd have six spots to give to the uh, the other guys. I feel like they could they could buy their way into that table. <laughs> I, I'm interested to see like three years from now, whenever we do this exercise again, if it changes like. Will we see like Colorado crash the party? Like, is the Deion Sanders factor enough? If especially if he stays there, is that going to be enough to get them a seat at the table? Because they were one of the most watched teams all year. You know, especially at the beginning, you know, first half of the season, they were yeah. putting up Alabama numbers in terms of viewership. First half, it's you know, winning's the solution if he can sure. get them to win. Because uh, speaking for myself, I was fascinated by it at the beginning, and then could care less by midseason because they they started becoming who we thought they really were you know they start losing and you know even even when they lost a close game here or there at the beginning i was still paying attention to that but yeah once they once they blew that stanford game on friday night on espn it was kind of over their next game against arizona state was like on on like the pac-12 network or cbs sports network or whatever it was you had to search to find it it was kind of over there but like i am interested to see how this progresses like moving forward alabama i'm gonna guess is not gonna be number one in the next three or four years. Like, if we get an update on this in 2028, like, Alabama I don't think is going to be number one. Michigan, by the way, you know, they might slip off. As it was heating up yesterday, that Harbaugh might be headed to the Chargers. We'll, we'll see how they get affected. Georgia, Ohio State, I feel like they're going to be kind of institutions. Yep. Clemson was on that list. Like, I don't know how they're going to be affected moving forward. I imagine they continue to take a step back, a tick down. I'd imagine Tennessee rises over the next couple of years. But yeah, those 18 teams, they, they drive college football. I want to talk about Netflix and their WWE deal and the money kind of throwing around and the viewership and all of that after the break. Bob's a TV expert. This is what he does. I'm excited to uh, get smarter at the TV industry talk after the break. It's the morning show here on Fan Run Radio. When you look at viewership across all of television, sports is the most valuable commodity. Yesterday, you saw a sports-adjacent company 
get what was it, Bob? Five billion dollars from Netflix? Yeah, five billion dollars for ten years. Um, for the the rights to uh, Monday Night Raw, um, th- for the domestic rights of that, as well as uh, rights to distribute it, uh, exhibit it in what they call the Americas, which means Latin America, Canada, obviously U.S. and then U.K. because those are the concentration of TV viewership in all those territories is you know represents a super large portion of the world, frankly. So. Um, yeah, it's that. This is uh, we talked about it briefly yesterday, but it is a it's a landmark deal, and it's a real shot to the bow of the traditional le- or legacy media industry by Netflix. Yeah, so WWE Raw will move to Netflix, and then, like you said, internationally, pretty much everything that is offered on Peacock, the the other big entities, and SmackDown, which is on Fox, that also goes to Netflix internationally. Domestically, it, it stays with Peacock for now. First of all, did you were you surprised? Did you think of me differently? Because I feel like you've been kind of thinking of me as a nerd for my wrestling <laughs> like. But when you saw these jaw dropping numbers, did you stop and think, wait, maybe maybe John's not a nerd? Maybe a lot of people do actually care about this. Oh, I don't think you're a nerd about that. Um, but is the implication of a nerd about other stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk later. But I no, I I I actually I'm very aware of how popular uh, professional wrestling is, particularly with a younger demographic. You fit that, uh, so no, that doesn't surprise me at all. And it's you know clearly it's a golden goose in the eyes of a lot of folks. I mean, the ratings are, are have been extremely strong for it for decades at this point well yeah i think that goes into like the conversation today is like it it, it stays strong and on friday nights it'll be uh number one most likely almost always with smackdown and actually like last wednesday the the minor league or the the second second tier promotion that's not wwe but is AEW. it actually like beat the nba it was the number one cable show on like a a wednesday a couple weeks ago so like it's not sports, I get that, but like it has kind of the same feel of sports is able to kind of make you not want to miss it. Like most people in your life don't DVR or watch the next day. Most people in sports want to actually watch it and they want to watch it live. Wrestling has kind of that same grasp, which makes it obviously really valuable in a time where, you know, most TV shows, you'll catch them when you catch them. Like even HBO has lost for at least a portion portion of my generation, the Sunday appointment viewing. You know, I, I used to be a, a slave to that even, you know, the last couple of years. Like Succession, I was still watching every every Same Sunday here, night. Yeah. But once Succession ended, I'm like, okay, I'll get to these shows when I get to them. And, and I love, you know, True Detective, but I'm like, eh, I'll, I'll watch them in a couple of days. I'll figure it out when I get there. So, like, that that appointment viewing is gone. It Really the only biggest shows – that have proven that they're a juggernaut can kind of get that. Yeah. Everything else is just sports, or in this case, sports and WWE. Yeah, live live sports, live news, those are the only things that, again, legacy or what you would call linear uh, TV services, that's what they've tried to cling to as a differentiator. So when Netflix makes a play like this, it's, uh, again, it is a, a really significant blow to these old-school platforms because now what Netflix is sounding we've seen bits and pieces of it happening too with Apple and and Amazon recently with uh, them purchasing regional sports networks 
they're all working to get into the to the sports game in some form or fashion. I think Netflix's move is kind of a stroke of genius because again, the popularity of wrestling is is so much and the way they structured the deal is they're they're just they're going to own it, but it's it's it is kind of a licensing deal in that they don't have to worry about production, you know, because a lot of these right. a lot of these big networks have big production infrastructures for creating live sports. And that's a lot. It takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of, um, you know, like bandwidth in terms of employee cost, personnel, all of those things. Netflix doesn't have to worry about any of that. That's part of the deal. Yeah, so WWE is going to kind of continue to just Correct. do things as as usual, and Netflix just gets to basically, like you said, just license it out and put it up there without any additional cost other than, you know, the, the $5 billion yeah. they gave them. Yeah, and I've got to say, you know, one of the things, I think it was – Maybe it was last summer. Maybe it was earlier than that. But it was at a point in time when I had a quite a fascination with Pat McAfee um, back when everybody was kind of fascinated with him. And he was doing, uh, you know, Friday Night Smackdown. And um, he uh, I would watch. And I remember talking with Rick Butler, who we know from Rocky Top Insider, former uh, Fox Sports Knoxville guy. And um, I was telling Sam this, you know, I was like, I, I, I did admit I was watching it on a Friday night. I go, my wife is looking at me like, what the hell's going on with you? And, you know, I remember Rick sending me a meme of, you know, from uh, Wolf of Wall Street, you know, the one of us thing, you know, and it's like it, it just what it underscored for me is for a moment I was living in that demographic that is much younger. But there, it is it, it hit me how popular it is. And, and that was and that was just with what drew me there was McAfee. But then I started paying attention to it a little bit, I got to admit. Yeah, and, you know, that was a big deal for them to kind of get on Fox and get legitimized on, like, national TV again. And, but, but like, the industry, especially WWE, is is on such a a recent boom where business, I mean, like, every city they go to, they'll put out a press release, like, hey, this is our biggest ticket that we've had in history. This is the biggest gate we've had in the, the pay-per-views. Hey, this is the biggest, you know, most streamed, this, this, and this. And, they, you know, they get the Endeavor merger, you know, with UFC kind of legitimizing it even more. And now this $5 billion deal. Were you aware when I told you that yesterday that Raw is the longest-running episodic show on television, like in history? Like the longest-running? Yeah, I, th- I always was of the mind. I thought it was The Simpsons. But but, uh, yeah. but but so you're saying it has a longer run than The, well, the Simpsons. Simpsons have seasons, though, right? Like the, Well, that's true. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the Simpsons have seasons, so like they're not always in season. Yeah. Raw's been on every Monday night since like 1992. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, so like, it's it's an institution in terms of cable TV. Like, it, it is a big blow for cable TV to lose that. It's a big statement. Like, obviously in sports, we have let the genie out of the bottle. You know, they, they kind of teased us a couple times. Like, okay, we're going to put, uh, you know, ESPN Plus is going to get some games. And ESPN Plus is going to have these games. And, hey, if you can't get on SEC Network, try SEC Network Plus. And, you know, that ball kept rolling. Next thing you know, okay, now Amazon's going to do the Thursday night games. Don't worry, guys. Amazon's going to have Thursday night games, but we'll still put them on NFL Network from time to time. They're just going to do one. And then they're going to get a Saturday night game late in the year. And, you know, we're just going to test run this out. And then it was like, okay, ESPN Plus got a London game this year that was exclusive to them, right? The Jaguars, I believe. Uh, Jaguars, the Jaguars Bills, I think, was only available on ESPN Plus. And then, of course, in the NFL, we, we hit the – the tipping point was like, hey, this playoff game is not going to be on TV. This playoff game, Chiefs, Dolphins, some of our biggest stars, 
you're going to have to go watch that with a subscription. You got to go to Peacock. And now you're taking a TV show that's been on, like I said, on air longer than any other uh, other cable show for 30 years. Every week, you're going to take that off TV and you're going to put that on on Netflix, which is a huge statement for the the industry, obviously. But it's also, I don't think we've talked about it, uh, the opportunity that the WWE has. Because at this point, Sam, in your life, I'm interested in your perspective as a, how are you, 22, 21, Mm -hmm, 22? 22. Of your peers, of people you talk to, do you know more people that have a Netflix account or that have a cable subscription? Probably a Netflix account, yeah. Currently, with, with just people like my age, yeah. What about you, Bob? Does that check out and with your peers and people you talk to in your circle, your friends? Would you say more people have a Netflix account or a cable subscription? Well, my son, who's 24, mm-hmm. he uh, and 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 I know this because um, I'm able to monitor it. I've given him. He doesn't have a cable subscription, and I've given him the login credentials to our YouTube TV account. Uh-huh. Never watches it. Never watches it. Nope. He's he will watch Netflix from time to time. He watches YouTube most of the time. Okay. You know, and I mean, I think that's reflective of you know. He's not as big of a sports fan, a live sports fan, as someone like Sam maybe. Mm-hmm. So for him, he doesn't really care about any sort of version of linear TV right now. So when now. you say YouTube, you're not saying YouTube TV. You're saying the actual YouTube videos. YouTube, yeah. yeah. He seeks out a, a podcast or seeks Correct. out a, an hour documentary or a how-to or a sit-down yeah. interview, things like that. He's a big Joe Rogan guy, okay. you know, all that stuff. And so, uh, yeah, so I think that's really reflective of, of that generation too. There's kind of a split. There's some that are – big big sports fans and there's still some level of live tv element that they want to have somewhere um and then there's others who don't care at all well what about other people in your life though because i mean yeah you've told me a 24 year old doesn't have cable doesn't care like that doesn't surprise me as much but like i would say my generation's probably at this point i would say probably closer to what you're saying sam that i think i know more people with a netflix account that actually than actually pay for cable can you say the same, or is it oh, still no. maybe cable kind of still outweighing it, nudged ahead a little bit? No, I w- well, you know what? Um, people that are older than me, mm-hmm. um, they're still very much beholden to linear TV, cable, right, right. that type of thing, even satellite. You know, it's kind of crazy because uh, that's that's a truly that's a dying platform at this point. But um, but yeah, I would say there there is quite a few who are both. Netflix and Amazon Prime subscribers, Prime Video, because they shop so much with Amazon. So you know that's yeah. that's that's a holy grail. All you know, another conversation for another time. But I mean, you know, you've got captive audience with shopping, and I mean, they're trying to own everything on on the Amazon front. But um, the one thing I would say also about Netflix that I hope they they have learned and understand is. You talk about the magnitude of uh, WWE, Monday Night Raw, um, all these other events. The ability for them to, because we talked about the fact that WWE will handle all the production, but distribution of it is still going to be on Netflix. And Netflix already had a significant problem when they did the live uh, transmission of Love is Blind, if yeah. you recall. I mean, I, it, I didn't watch, but I know everyone complained it about was a, it. It was a major problem because it was they were out of their depth when it came to that type of thing. This is even more magnified. They have got to get this part right. I'm sure it's top of the list for them. 
but uh, that 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 would be their worst nightmare if they start to run into bandwidth problems. And they got basically a year to get it right. Correct. correct? Well, like I just googled, maybe you have better numbers, maybe you know, but like this is saying as of 2023, there are 72 million cable TV subscribers. Does that sound about right? Well, it's eroded. I mean, the the universe itself is probably a little larger than that. It used to be up around 100 million. It was 98.7 uh, even in 2016. Yeah, it. and it continues to erode. It, I, I would say that's probably pretty fair. It might be a little bit higher, but it, not much, maybe 75 to 76 million. Well, the number I saw yesterday was that Netflix has 200 and – I saw 247 million subscribers globally. Closer, Yeah, closer to 260. Okay. Yeah, globally. And that, that I mean, that's reach – That's four times bigger, basically? Yeah, that reach. I mean, that's, that's always been the thing. That's why all these other streamers – still continue to struggle competing with Netflix because that that reaches nobody's got that nobody at this point is that just because Netflix was first because I don't I don't think I mean I do think Netflix has the best interface but as far as content I, I would say it lacks you know behind the other subscribe uh, other subscription based companies lacks in what way just uh, quality I don't oh know. yeah, no, that's fair. I, I think you're right. I've I've got I've had more and more TV series on Netflix where I watch and I start to watch and I get a little into it and I'm like, nah, it's not that good. Um, so yeah, I would say that um, they they were they were they were they were absolutely the first early adopter. Sure. And so that that always helps. But um, you know, I it's a good question as to why they have such an edge. I think some of it is some of these other companies were just they were slow to the market too. Sure. One that I used to work for, they decided to get into streaming and and get into you know the arms race, and it's almost like it was it was almost too late, honestly. You know, then once they merged with uh, Warner Brothers, Time Warner, and then Warner Video, and you know then acquired HBO, HBO Max, all those things that helped, but it's still probably too small. Yeah, I mean Netflix was first. You know, Netflix became what you think of when you think of streaming the the branding the the iconic in the dun dun when it first comes on like that that's all a lot of people's first experience with streaming so like it, it always kind of holds a spot and they to me they have just enough quality they get just enough stuff to keep you hanging around but from a WWE side I told you like good TV numbers for them you know the two million threshold is kind of like what a good night of TV is for them two million. But now, like, if you're thinking, like, on Monday nights moving forward in 2025, I'm assuming at 8 o'clock Eastern, Netflix is going to have on their home screen, watch live, WWE. And if I'm telling you 260 million people are going to have that put in front of them at some point, you know, if they even just double and go from 2 million to 4 million, which isn't, you know, a huge percentage hold of what Netflix offers in terms of subscribers, but that doubles you know, your viewership, and that, that that's crazy numbers for the WWE. Yeah, and I think it'll test the waters of how WWE content does in a non-live version because you have time zones all around the world sure. where some of this is, you're not going to get, you're not going to connect with 260 million potential viewers in a live display. Sure. But, but the, again, I, I'm certain Netflix has done their homework on this, that they believe that, you know, second day viewing, all these other things can still be meaningful enough for them. Yeah, I'm imagining that down the road this will end up with everything that is currently on Peacock ending up on Netflix in, in terms of the the special events, the the pay-per-views, the premium live events, they call them now, as well as, 
I would imagine this all ends up with, you know, basically the entire history of wrestling being on there. Like all of the the archive shows that are currently yeah. on Peacock end up on Netflix. That, that opens up, you know, thousands and thousands of hours of content for people to watch and, you know, it makes it easy to kind of catch up on. And, and, you know, I think that would eventually be where we head there. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, it's uh, it, it's a it's an amazing opportunity, and and the question becomes, um, look, Netflix has been trying to find the right fit for what they do with sports. They've dabbled in it already with kind of documentary level content, which is really good. But you know, they're trying to they they've been very vocal that they want to get into live sports in some form or fashion. This is a big big step, and there's there is a lot of intellectual property they can own here eventually i mean when i say own they may not own it per se but they will own it from the consumer perspective as what's available to them well my question for you is how does this make sense from a business perspective from netflix is it just a prestige thing and it's just a hey we do this now we're in live sports now we can showcase our live events because like i can't imagine that they are going to obviously recoup their money their five billion dollars like the, the number of subscribers that are going to switch to netflix or or start paying netflix that haven't been paying them before like that's not going to make sense from a money standpoint no i i no you're absolutely right i think that they netflix their business model from the start has been the whole notion of, as the adage goes you need to spend money to make money sure and they're in a long game um for a while it started to go under attack not too long ago too about a year and a half ago where they were spending so much money on scripted content and everything else they started getting pressure from wall street about you know you're overspending you're overcreating. you need to get smarter with your strategies and i think they're working on that part so they're kind of doing it all over again in sports but the the analogy i always draw to it is if, again if you look at it from a long game perspective and this goes back to when you guys or may not even, well, Sam for sure wasn't even around in the world, but it was when Fox Network um, got the NFL package. And, you know, I, I actually was part of a case study that analyzed this with uh, Harvard Business School where they talked about the truth was this was a long game. This is how Fox created a primetime network was by using the NFL to mm -hmm. create lead-ins on Sunday. So they started building their schedules on Sunday with The Simpsons and Married with Children. And then they expanded it out to another night and another night. And so there's a variation of that going on here with Netflix. You know, they're, they're looking at building a presence. They've already got a general entertainment presence that's, you know, robust for sure. But now they can... They're, they're looking to parlay that into sports, and they want to be a go-to for sports. And who's to say they can't be in five years? Uh, the, you know, this is, again, this is what I believe linear networks have got to – I know it's on their mind. They've got to be on notice about this because Netflix has won. They've clearly got the war chest to spend on it. You don't think Apple does? They do. Amazon does. They're all coming. And this is the first of many big deals, in my opinion. Well, what has been the reception of MLS on Apple? Because, I mean, Apple kind of got their foot in the door first. They did the MLB baseball game of the week, if I recall correctly. Like, yes. they have that. And then they have the MLS deal. Like, what's been the reception there? Has Apple shown any promise there? Sam, do you watch the baseball game of the week? You're a baseball guy. Have you made it over to Apple to do that at I all? I honestly or? don't watch Apple baseball. Okay. I, I watch more baseball off of, like, Bali sports or okay, something Okay, yeah, like I that. didn't know yeah. if, you had, if they had gotten you with that. Yeah. But 
was the MLS reception good? Or? Yeah, it's a good question. I haven't paid that much attention to okay. the MLS. Okay. Um, I, I mean, I think it was definitely a good press release for them. I just don't know if it's correlated into you know more viewership or more you know subscribers, as it were. Baseball's an interesting watch for them. I've done it. I don't know. It's weird. They do it very differently. A lot of interesting graphic overlays for statistical stuff, and they're, they're definitely trying to take a, a unique approach. Whether it will work or not, I'm not sure. Yeah, baseball seems to be kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. You know, you're talking about the demographic of WWE and the younger viewers. Right. Like baseball obviously skews a little bit older, so like them doing the Apple stuff maybe is trying to attract younger people, or yeah. I don't know, but maybe it's just Apple saying, hey, we're just working out the kinks here on a a quote-unquote lower stakes, lesser stage versus trying to get in with something bigger. But, I mean, Amazon has successfully kind of conditioned us to watch football on Amazon and not really complain. I mean, you don't really see complaints in, in year two, year three about their offerings and, and their you know presentation. I think we've kind of just accepted it, and some people like it, and some people like the, the post-game show and all that. Yeah, it, and it varies because, from my perspective, the viewing experience of Thursday Night Football on Amazon is, is like quality wise, is better than anything you you see because okay. because they're not going through another pipeline through a distributor. They're the distributor, so they're creating it and it's going out. It's not being created then going through a filter of a Comcast or another platform. Now, there's a lot of people who have complained about Amazon because, again, it all depends. Then it all depends on your Wi-Fi or your internet integrity, you know, and so that's that's the wild card. It, if you have strong internet, it's it's an amazing experience. But there's a lot of people who don't. See, that's 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 where I kind of push back on some of this stuff. Is like, man, like I grew up in the country. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to. I, those people are going to get kind of cut out, and maybe advertisers and maybe companies don't ultimately care about that. But like, I liked watching Monday Night Raw. I wouldn't be able to stream that at my house out in the country because I couldn't get high speed internet. Yeah. So, like, you know, like, I do wonder what the balance is there. But, I mean, yeah, when you talk about these other companies getting into it, like, Amazon will probably be showing the NBA in-season tournament, you know, in a couple of years. They'll, they'll have the NBA games, and they're already doing the Bally Sports, like you talked about, Sam, with your baseball. They're going to be broadcasting those. So, In-season tournament's interesting. I think that was absolutely created – they you know they say it's an incentive for the players sure that's that's a, that's going to be a standalone tv event oh 100 guaranteed that that was made just to sell and the players cared about it so much because they know hey that's going to lead to higher revenue which is going to lead to higher contracts and right. salary and you know lebron maybe doesn't get to reap the benefits of that down the line because he was the one that took it the most seriously but then there's talks about lebron you know very almost assuredly going to be a part of the Las Vegas ownership whenever they get their franchise. So LeBron's, you know, looking down the road of like, yeah, more money for the league. I'll do the league a favor. That way they'll help me get this team. So I will say that uh, the way the Lakers have played since the end season tournament maybe uh, diminishes how seriously people will take it next year because they've kind of fallen apart, you know, since then. But yeah, crazy to see. Twitter writes in asking if I think the WWE pay-per-views will still be on Peacock. I say that I, I think they will be at least to the end of the year, but I would say once that deal is up, you'll see them move to Netflix, I, I would imagine, especially if net, you know, this relationship goes well. Although I don't know because right now, right now WWE has this big Netflix money. They got Fox money for SmackDown, and they got uh, still the NBC money. So they got you know three different streams coming in. Hour two in the books. We'll kick off hour three by being joined by – 
Chris Dortch coming on to talk some college basketball with us. It is the morning show here on Fan Run Radio.